All right, let's go to the Word. Let's go to the Word. I'm Pastor Troy, and I'm excited to, to share the Word with you today. I'm, I'm going to be talking about covenant. How many know you're a covenant people? You know that? All right, good. You're a covenant people, and He's a covenant God. Jeremiah 31, verse 31, we'll read from there. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. It's important to note that when this was stated, they were in the old covenant. So there's a new covenant and there's an old covenant. And God says in Jeremiah, I'm going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in that day, in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke. Everybody say, I broke it. Come on, I broke it. It's okay. I broke it too. You broke it. We all broke it. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their mind, and I'll write it on their heart. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. He said, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. How are we going to do this? Covenant. Covenant. We're going to do this by covenant. No more shall every man teach his neighbor. And every man his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. As it goes forward, it brings light, revelation. It brings transformation. It encourages, corrects. Thank you for the word. I open my heart to it now. I pray that the preaching and teaching of your word would not be with the eloquence of speech, but rather a demonstration of the Spirit's power. We need it now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to encourage you as covenant people to never surrender a covenant for a contract. Never surrender a covenant for a contract. A covenant, a covenant, you see, by covenant, the walls of Jericho fell. By covenant, Blind eyes were opened. By covenant, barren wombs received children. By covenant, the mouths of lions were closed. By covenant, Peter walked on water. By covenant, the Red Sea parted. By covenant, the children of Israel walked out of Egypt rich. Formerly enslaved, walked out by covenant, walked out with and plundered the enemy. I hear often, I often hear, why are you sitting by yourself, homie? Somebody come sit with my man. Like, they got to sit. We don't let people sit alone at church on the North Coast. Somebody come sit with him or you go sit with somebody else. Like, No? You want to sit with me? Somebody's got to sit with Thank you, man. My man's just sitting there all by himself. That's not covenant. I'm preaching on covenant. My man's sitting there all by himself. I often hear Christians use the word when they talk about Christ and atonement. And they reference it in terms of a contract. Have you ever been in a bad contract? So I'm going to encourage you never, never to reference the work of Christ to a contract. I have in my hand a few contracts here. They're, they're literal contracts. We have these contracts. We have one for the Wyndham, uh, for uh, where well, we got to put a down payment 
of uh, $1,250 down by a certain amount, uh, by a certain day, and uh, gives us so many space, gives us such space. Some, then we got another one for $10,000. Uh, this, this contract states that the down payment is due uh, yesterday. We're already, uh, we already failed in that contract. I got another one here for, uh, oh, this one. Oh, this one's interesting. Yeah, this one's got to do with in, uh, 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 taxes, uh, taxes with the, with the attorney. You know that we are a covenant people, and as covenant people, we don't pay taxes. They're trying to make us pay taxes. I've got to rebuke the enemy there. But I'm in my left hand, When you buy something, you know, we bought, we bought a building, and then the building, they want, the, you know, because they want their taxes, but we don't pay taxes, but they still tried to charge us, you know, so, so now we have to hire an attorney, enter into a contract with an attorney, and, you know, try to get, you know, get it taken off the books, but here's another, here's another uh, uh, piece of paper that is a, a certificate of marriage. Now, this is a covenant. And I don't care what nobody says. You can mess around with the definitions all you want. Marriage always was, is, and always will be a covenant. You can go where you want for it, but it's not a contract. It's a covenant. It's a covenant. Now, a covenant is defined like this. A covenant is a sworn agreement by oath. It's a sworn agreement by oath associated with the cutting and the spilling of blood. So, so a, a covenant, say I'm a covenant person. Yep, you're a covenant person. So a covenant, the strength of your covenant is the word of God and the blood spilled. God always, in all of the, I'm going to teach a little bit today, and then, you know, so you got to, you got to, I need you to strap in, because I'm going to share a lot of word with you. So all of the covenants of the Old Testament, all of them, there are four majors, but there are, there are, there are a number of other covenants, but the four major covenants, the, the Noahic, the Abrahamic, the Mosaic, and the Davidic, all of these covenants, all of them, contained a promise from God by His Word and the cutting and the spilling of blood. Every one of them. And all of them, all of the, every covenant in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, is, is a shadow, a foretelling of the blood covenant of Jesus with His people. All of it. All of it is just, they just, all of his types and shadows, and this is what it's like. And, but, so it's important to know that every covenant has these three components. They're relational. Every, every covenant from God was relational. Remember Abraham, what did God say to Abraham? He said, well, I can't hide what I'm doing from Abraham. I have to tell him. Why? Because I'm in a relationship with Abraham. It's relational. So a covenant is relational. A covenant, has a, you have a relationship. It's personal. It's very personal. So when you're in a covenant, it's not, there's nothing sterile about it. You can't remove yourself from it. If you're in a covenant with somebody, it's messy. It's hard. It's testing. It's not easy. It's very personal. So it's hard for you to remove yourself from, it's personal. When God's in a covenant with his people, you can see that all through the Bible, the covenant was personal. And the last component is it's sacrificial. So in a covenant, the power of a covenant is the word spoken. We share a word. In a covenant, we, 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 our word is good. I give you my word, you give me your word. That used to mean something. Loyalty is gone, but, but the power of covenant says, if I give you my word, Jeremy, if I give you my word, you could take it to the bank. 
Because before I fail on my word, I'll die. That's the power of covenant. Before I fail on my word, I'll, I'll die. Power of covenant is sacrificial. So it's personal, it's relational, sacrificial. Everyone, every covenant ever is personal, relational, sacrificial. Ask yourself, do you have covenants or contracts? Come on with me. Do you have a covenant marriage or do you have a contract for marriage? Do you have covenant relationships with your family or do you have contractual relationships with your family? Do you have covenant relationship with your friends or do you have contracts with your friends? You are, and, and I will remind you, I will remind you, you are not a contracted people, you are a covenant people. God did not contract people to fulfill his assignment to. We didn't enter into a contract with God, we entered into a covenant with God. And when we entered into a covenant with God, what we said was, God's word is our truth. The proof of God's word is our truth is that he spilled his blood to prove it. So you can see how you could be confused when we as God's covenant people treat our covenants like contracts. 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 You see, if you break, you ever been in a bad contract? And you had to pay a certain amount of interest because you was, you was dumb. And you signed that contract being as dumb as you was. I remember the first time we first bought a house, man. I wanted to go back and beat somebody up. After I learned a few things, I was mad at some folks. You know what I'm saying? I was mad at some folks. You let me... This is where Nehemiah 5 comes in. You let me make that contract? And God got mad because the children of Israel were, were making contracts and, and exacting usury from God. People, he got mad at it. God doesn't like when we treat a covenant like a contract. He, he, he said, no, no, you're covenant people. Covenant Covenants are eternal. They're eternal. Mar I just want us all to know that marriage is forever. It doesn't matter. Now, I, listen, I'm not here to cast any condemnation on him, but I just want us to understand that, that covenants are not contracts. And when we treat covenants like contracts, if I was the devil, this is what I would do. Oh, my goodness. If I was the devil, I, I know that God can't lie. I know he can't lie. I know that I'm the father of lies, and God can't lie. So if I was the devil, I would trap his children in hell by a contract. A contract, here's the definition of a contract. It is a written agreement especially one concerning employment, sales, or tenancy that is intended to be enforced by law. So if I was the devil, and I know that God can't lie, and if God said the soul that sins shall surely die, if God said the wages of sin is death, then I would, here's what I would do. I would convince the children of God to not live by covenant, but to live by the law. I would, I would encourage them to live by works and not by faith, not by the word of God, not by the blood of the atonement, but I would convince them to sign their name on the dotted line, and I would convince them to live by their works. Exchange this for that with God. Exchange your virtue for his blessing. Exchange it, right? Exchange your works for his favor. And I would, I would compel them to live their life with the consciousness of the contract that's written in the law. And the moment they violated the law, I would run to the Father and I would tell the Father on them. I'd say, yup, 
you got to kill him. You have to go kill him. You cannot. You said, you said the soul that sinned shall surely die. They want to live by the word. They want to live by the contract, so they must die. You go kill him. I don't even have to kill him. You got to kill him because you're the one that said that the soul that sinned shall surely die, so go get them. So you can see how we'd be confused as covenant people when we take a little bit of covenant and a little bit of contract and we start mixing them up together. And sometimes we want to live by covenant, and then other times we want to live by contract. No, I want the blessing of the contract. I want the assets of heaven that are, that are guaranteed me in my contract, but I don't want the responsibility of the covenant. And the responsibility of the covenant is what we're going to talk about today. Why do you need a covenant rather than a contract? Because a contract is what the world uses, and covenant is what God uses. Contracts are secular. Covenants are sacred. The strength of every covenant is God's word. It's always God's word. So remember... Covenant is an oath sworn. It's, wor- it's a word from God sworn. Here's what the Bible says, Matthew 24, 35. What does it say? Heaven and earth will pass away, but what? Wait a minute. What's God say? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word is stronger than heaven and earth. So your covenant, the covenant that we have is in his word. His oath. He swore an oath. And he said, heaven and earth will pass away. If you think the, the tide of the earth is strong, if you think the wave of the ocean is strong, it's nothing compared to the strength of my word over your life. The strength of my word is, more, is a more powerful force than anything the earth can produce. The, actual, the strength of my word is more powerful than the thing you call heaven. All that, you, all that you can imagine about heaven, my word is stronger than that. That's how strong God's covenant is to you. Now watch this. Numbers 23, 19, what does it say? God's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man. So, so what does it tell us? God can't lie. God cannot lie. He's not like you. He's not like me. He doesn't enter into a covenant with you with his word promised and not, not follow through. How many of us have had somebody give us their word and fail us? Somebody, you could raise your hand and you could say, that's me. You, yep, every one of us have our word, our words fail. Our ability fails, but God's word cannot fail. John 1.14, now here's where it gets, now hold on, hold on to your seat. I'm going to message your theology just a little bit. It says that Jesus, here in a reference to Jesus, it says the word became what? Hold. What did the word become? Okay. When I was dating my wife before we got married, I would go get her cards. There was, these, there was these special kind of cards, and I would write in these cards. I'm not a words person, so the, the, so the images mattered more than the words to me. But there would be words that I would write in those cards. They were, they were very few. So if you're going to give me a card, don't get the wordy ones. Just get a good image, right? A lot of people give me cards, and they write it, and I'm like, oh, man, that's a lot to read. You know what I mean? <laughs> you ever get a text message? You're like, dog, son, you should have wrote a book, man. Like this, I ain't got no, I, you know, I'm trying to watch YouTube right now. This is too much, you know. So she, she gave me a bunch of these. I got her a bunch of cards. Now, now I, the other day I was going through looking for something, and I, I went on her side of the bed, and I opened a drawer, and a, a bunch of those cards was in there. But when we got married, see, the cards became the person when we got married. 
when we, went, when we entered into a covenant, the logos became the lover. When you entered into a covenant with Jesus, he became flesh. It's important that you know this because there's nothing more dangerous than a Christian that knows the logos, but not Jesus in the flesh. There's nothing more terrifying than a Christian that can cut you deep with his word, but not know his character, not know his person, not be deeply acquainted with who he really is in the flesh. And you look at me and you say, I don't know if I know him like that, but I know him in the logos. I, I want you to know that the letter became your lover. He took away the power of the letter to condemn you by becoming the word made flesh. You know what he did? He made it impossible for you and I to live by a contract that brings death. He became the law personified and then married you and said, if you're going to be married to me, it's not enough that you read my letters that I wrote you. It's not enough that you know those letters inside and out. You've got to know me personally. You've got to know me sacrificially. You've got to know who I am. And the power, some of you looking at me like you don't believe that yet, but listen, go to Hebrews, Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. Remember, Jesus is the covenant of word to you and me. The power of our covenant is found in his word. Hebrews 4.12 says this. says, for the word of God is what? Come on, it's right there on the screen. The word of God is what? It's alive. The word of God is alive. It's powerful. The logos is no longer, he's no longer the, the, the word on paper. He is now alive and he's powerful. The Bible describes him in Revelation as if one who steps on his enemies and, and trods down his enemies. He is alive and he is sharp and he is, he is dangerous. You better not mess with him. And, he, and I'm in a covenant with him, so you better not mess with me. Because he's not... He's not on the pages of my Bible anymore. I want you to know that on his thigh is written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is no longer on the pages of my Bible. The letter has now become my lover and I'm in, I'm in covenant with him. I'm not in a contract with him. See, contracts can be nullified. Contracts are nullified when one of us fail our responsibilities. Well, it's I'm out. Jesus said, I know you're going to fail, so I'm going to become the Word made flesh, and I'm going to enter into a covenant with you, and I'm going to fulfill the assignment on your life, whether you like it or you don't. So it doesn't matter. So here, I said all of that to say this one word right here, to say this sentence right here. So you're not allowed to serve the letter, the contract, the requirements. You have to have a covenant relationship, and the strength of your covenant relationship is determined by how well you know Jesus. So God's covenant with you is only as powerful as your relationship with him. Selah. We wonder, God, how come you're not moving? God, how come this is happening? God, why is this, why is it not, what's happening? Where's the power of God? And, and my question to you is this. God's covenant can only be as powerful. So you determine, so we determine then the strength of God and his flex in our life based on our relationship with the word made flesh. How is your relationship with Jesus? I didn't ask you if you know the word. I didn't ask you if you could tell me John 3.25. I didn't ask, there's no, I don't think there's a John 3.25, by the way, but, <laughs> right? I didn't ask you that. 
Because there's nothing more dangerous than a Christian who knows the written, the Logos word of God, but doesn't know Jesus, the risen son, the lamb of God slain on the foundation of the world, that God who was resurrected on the third day. It's those Christians that Jesus entered into a covenant with. So your, your covenant is only as strong as your relationship to the person of Jesus. How's your relationship with Jesus? Secondly, your covenant is only as strong as your relationship to the blood. The strength of covenant is in the blood. Hold on again. Leviticus 17.11. You know this one. What does it say? For the life of the flesh is what? Where's it at? It's in the blood. Matthew 26, verse 28, Jesus says what? For this is what? It's my blood. Jesus said life is in the blood. Old covenant, life is in, life is in the blood. The sacrifice of the old covenant. You remember him? So the strength of the covenant, I got, I, listen, listen to me, write this down. The shelf life of the blood is limited of the old covenant. Right? In the old covenant, in the old covenant, David would take six steps, some had to die. Listen to me. In the old covenant, you, you couldn't even, you think worship up here is hard. David took six steps, stopped, killed a lamb. All right, pick it up, let's do it. Six more, stop. Kill a lamb, pick it up, let's go. Six more steps, why? In order to carry the presence, the presence of God in a box. And not even the full presence. It couldn't have been the full presence of God. Couldn't have been the full presence of God. Because if it was the full presence of God, then Jesus wouldn't have had to die and cleanse heaven. I'll get to that in a minute. Moses, right, in the sacrificial system, talks about the high priest. What did he say? The high priest, the blood from the high priest only lasted about 12 hours. In the Passover, we see that you, you take the blood and you put it on the house and then you get in and, and the death angel is going to, what, pass over? About 12 hours. The sacrificial system said the, the high priest only went in once a year to make atonement. And when he went in, he went one time. So, so one day, so the blood of bulls and goats lasted what? About one day? The blood of bulls and goats lasted about one day. But it says of Jesus, when he went in, it was once and for all. So, so there's a couple things I want to make clear here. So the blood doesn't have to be shed every year, every day, every experience. The blood only has to be shed once. The power of Jesus' blood is so powerful that it's a one and done situation. But the, but the power of that blood requires application. He paid for it once, but you got to apply it every day. Every day it has to be put on every day. It, Every day you have to have a relationship with the bloody Savior, that the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. Hebrews. So Hebrews, let me just read a few scriptures for you. Hebrews 10, verse 4 says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. So it's not possible. Hebrews 9, 7 to 9. But into the second part of the high priest went alone, once a year, not with blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance, the Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the tabernacle was still standing. So what that's saying is, the blood, the Holy Spirit was letting us know that the blood of the bulls and the goats it had, it wore off. But the strength of your covenant is not in 
the blood of bulls and goats. The, blood, the strength of your covenant is in the blood of Jesus. We see this, we see this in, with Cain and Abel. Hold a minute. So, so the blood of bulls and goats of the old covenant, they took us into the second room with a kind of little bit of God. Right? So the, the priest went into the holies of holies by the blood of the bulls and the goats. And then there was the presence of God was in that back room. But when, when Jesus shed his blood, here's what I want you to grab hold of. When Jesus died on Calvary, was pierced on his side, crown of thorns on his head, blood dripping down, lashed on his back, blood falling down on the ground. When Jesus cut covenant with you on Calvary, on that day, he, he didn't enter into a second room. He didn't enter, he didn't, he didn't bring you a portion of God. He went in and cleansed the, the, the actual heavens. That means that Adam's sin actually affected the ability of the blessing of heaven to come upon God's people. So much so that it required the Lamb of God. God himself had to come as you and pay the penalty for your sin to be killed, crucified, bleed, cut the covenant for you because he knew you couldn't satisfy it. And then when he did, he allowed you as him to go into not a type of heaven, not a shadow of heaven, not a piece of heaven, not a portion of God, but all of God now is available to you. All of heaven is available to you. Every bit of heaven, eternity is available to you today because of the shed blood of Jesus. All of it. Not a type of it, not a piece of it, not a shadow, not, 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 not like a, a, a little bit. All of heaven is now available to you. That's the power of your covenant. And you want to give that up for a contract? I don't want a contract. I want a covenant. Cain and Abel. We'll talk about Cain and Abel for a second, and then I'll share with you a funny story. Cain and Abel. Cain comes to God, brings God what? Some, some potatoes. He brings him some potatoes. He brings him some lettuce, some cucumbers. Some good stuff. He brings it to him, and he's got a whole harvest of stuff. He brings it to God, and he says, God, look at my sacrifice that I bring to you. Abel, his brother, brings a lamb. Brings a lamb before God and, says, and, and, and murders the lamb in front of God and spills the blood of the lamb. If I'm Cain, I'm sitting there looking at that going, man, that, that's terrible, God. I, you know, I know I'm, I got it more than you. But God looks at it. God looks at it and says... That's, that's the best you can do. That, that, but that the best you can do can't satisfy the requirement contract that the devil ha holds me accountable to in the written word. The written word requires that blood be spilled to pay for the penalty of death, sin. In order to pay for sin, blood must be shed. Not, not lettuce. Lettuce don't pay for it. I'll take you back to the Garden of Eden. Now, here's, here's how powerful the shed blood of Jesus is. We go back to the Garden of Eden. Adam sins. The devil knows it. God knows it. What does God do? He kills a lamb. He kills a lamb and, and takes the leaf. He takes the lettuce. He takes the lettuce. He, take, he takes what Adam tried to cover himself with that was his own you know, his, his intelligence, his, you know, all of his merit, all those works, every, the best he could bring to the table, he tried, he tried to cover himself up as best he could. And God said, that's not good enough. Y your sin demands payment. It demands blood. And so God goes and gets a lamb before Jesus comes, goes, gets a lamb, takes away the lettuce, covers. Now, he covers Adam in, in, in the garden. He covers Adam. Jesus comes, and it says this of Jesus, that when Jesus comes, he doesn't cover you. 
He cleanses you. And he don't just cleanse you on the outside. He cleanses you on the inside. And he doesn't just cleanse you. He comes into you and he brings a cleansing on the inside of you. Remember what Jeremiah said. In the day when I institute the new covenant, I'm going to write my law on their mind and on their heart. I'm going to come inside of them and I'm not just going to die for them. I'm not just going to cover them. I'm going to cleanse their consciousness of sin. And as long as you hold Hold on to your sin as a contract, you, you will always be condemned because of this. It wasn't you who did it. It was Jesus. You hear me? If it's a contract, you did it and you're guilty. It's a, if it's a covenant, the Bible says that all of my sin became his. That means I didn't do it. And you keep telling God you did something. And God's like, no, if you're in a covenant with me, you didn't do it. Jesus did it because I can't hold you liable for sin because you, are, you don't have what it takes to pay for the penalty of sin. It requires bloodshed on the altar of heaven, and you haven't given that. So Jesus had to come as you, and not just as you, but for you, in you, to cleanse you on the inside, on the outside, to take away the shame, the condemnation, the reproach of the enemy, to take away all of the guilt. He takes it all away because it's now Christ in me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Therefore, my life is his and his life is mine. So any sin that you recollect, it's not yours. It's his as long as you live by covenant. Now, I have this story to tell. There was this time I was messing around. Elijah was there. Josh was there. Josh Cook, he used to work on staff in Lorraine. And uh, me and Elijah was in the truck. We was doing something out in Lorraine. And, and uh, I, we saw Josh out working outside. And I said, hey, play along. Play along. We're going to see what Josh is made of. So I said, hey, here's the story we're going to tell Josh when we pull up. Get real serious. Play along. I said, here's the story we're going to tell. The story is this. Lika messed around last night. You caught her messing around, and then you murdered the dude, and you, you, you killed the dude. I know it's messed up. Don't do this to your friend. I know some of you are looking at me like, you said what? Yeah. I know. I was testing his heart. I wanted to see what he was made of, right? So this is the story. I said, all right, you ready? Don't break character. Stay in character. So we pull up. Elijah puts it on. He's got his head down. He starts sweating. He actually started sweating. I'm like, wow, bro, you're really selling this. You know what I mean? And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm expecting Josh to, like, catch on right away. But Josh is like, so I pull up, and I'm like, and I'm real serious. And I'm like, and I'm like I pull him in close, and he gets closer to the truck. And I said, Josh, man, listen, man. Listen, uh, Elijah did something last night. I got to hide him. Cops are looking for him. This dude, this dude did not, he did not break. He looked back at me. He said, follow me. <laughs> at this point, I got afraid. I was like, this is not this first time. This dude has done this before. I, I started to get nervous. Like, who, who am I hanging around? And then the other side of me was like, dog, you're my dog. Like, you ain't, you, your heart does not pump Kool-Aid. This is what's up. So he said, and I was like, we're just going, and I looked over at Elijah, and you know, and Josh is walking like, follow me, follow me. And so, so we get out the truck, and me and Elijah are like, well, how long is this going to go? I said, just play along. I, I, said, I said, just play along, and let's see how long it goes. And so we go, we go to go into church. Of all places, we get ready to go into church. He go, Josh is going to hide Elijah in the church. You know, like he's going to grab hold of the horns of the altar of the Old Testament or something, you know. So, so he said, he said, he said follow, follow me. And so we started following him. And he, said, he said, stay up against the wall. I was like, why? He said, the camera's over there. So we're like. 
the phone on the blanket. I'm not kidding you. This is a true story, y'all. We like that. We get into the back office. We get in my, in my office. We go to my office and we sit down. Elijah sits down. He starts crying. He starts crying. Ask him this story. He starts crying. I did so much with these guys. This is messed up. Elijah starts crying. He's like, and I, was, I was like, oh my gosh. And, and, and this right here, this is when he, because I, I can't play this game no more with you, man. He said, he looked at me, he looked at Elijah, he said, where's the body? I was like, I'm done, man. I ain't playing this game with you. Where's the body? He said, where's the body? I said, man, how many bodies you done buried, brother? After that, I ain't mess with Josh no more. We was cool forever. Like, what's up, my man? No more. No more messing around with Josh. Here's, here's, here's the point of that story. <laughs> Josh was willing to cover it up. Josh was willing to go as far as he could to cover it up. But there was no way to cleanse it. You see... You see, you could try to cover it up as best you can, but the only one that can cleanse your conscience of sin, of condemnation, of shame is Jesus. If you got yourself a Josh, just count yourself lucky. You know what I mean? Just, hey, God, if, if you got somebody that's willing to hide the bodies, good for you. But I need somebody like Jesus that could take away the condemnation, the shame. I don't want to be guilty of it. I don't want to cover it up. I want to be set free and liberated from the sin. Amen? Come on, give, your hand, give a hand to Jesus. <laughs> the, blood, the blood of Jesus is eternal, and you apply that blood through relationship. That blood, if you spend enough time with Jesus... There's blood on him, and it's going to get on you. And, and it, it, you got to apply it. He doesn't have to shed it, but your relationship with him, it'll get on you. And when it gets on you, what, it's, what it does is it cleanses you. It keeps you free of bitterness, offense. It keeps you liberated. It keeps you holy. It keeps you right before God. It gives you right standing with God. So the strength of your covenant is in the blood of Jesus that you apply every day, every second, every hour. I close with this. In a covenant with God, there was always a cut. There was always a cut with God's people. In the Abrahamic covenant, they were circumcised on the eighth day. There was a cut in their flesh that signified these are covenant people. As far as time can go back, you can recount. How many have blood brothers out there? Am I the only one that did that? Yeah, that, that was a gross thing we used to do way back in the day. Is when we had a best friend. But this goes back to the beginning of time. Blood covenant. You would cut your hand and they would cut theirs. And you would put those two together. There's a few guys out there that I'm in blood covenant with. We're blood brothers. In the Bible, whenever God was attempting to create a covenant with his people, there would always be a cut. He was cut on Calvary, satisfied the penalty for your sin. He bled. But there was always a cut that happened in his people. Always a cut. And in the Bible here, in the New Testament, we see Hebrews 8.10 says this, that this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I'll put my laws in their mind, write them in their hearts. I'll be their God. They're going to be my people. Jeremiah 4 verse 3 says, thus says the Lord to the men of Judah, break up the fallow ground of your heart. Your heart has grown hard. He says, needs cut. 
We want God to cut us on the outside. It's not how He does it anymore. So break up the fallow ground of your heart. Circumcise yourself to the Lord. Romans 2.29 says, Who's a Jew? It's one who's inward. Circumcision is that of the heart. In the spirit, not in the contract. You see, we spend a lot of time trying to cut off on the outside get rid of this, get rid of that, and if I could just get rid of that, just cut that off, maybe if I could stop looking at that, maybe if I quit saying that, maybe quit listening to that, maybe if I could just somehow cut the outside, I could circumcise myself, I'd be in covenant with God, God says that's not how we do it anymore, we do this if you're a covenant person of God, you got to be cut. But it doesn't have to be on the outside. It has to be on the inside. It has to be your heart. So I ask you today, as we close, is there any hardness on your heart? Because if your heart is hard, it requires some surgery. And Jesus is alive and he's sharper than any two-edged sword. He knows how to go where no surgeon's knife can go and he knows how to bring a cut of covenant to your life. There's a story of a doctor, a surgeon, heart surgeon. The best, he was the best there was. He was working on a young patient that day, about 40 years old, and cut the heart, performed the surgery like he had done many, many times, and then sewed the heart back in. When he went to resuscitate the heart, it wouldn't turn on just wouldn't, wouldn't start beating again. And he tried everything he could. He did the electrodes. He just you know, did everything he could. And he pulled himself away. And he thought, and this is, I'm going to lose one. And then he just felt like, man, no, I'm, I'm not going to lose. So he went back. And, and contrary to all the, the other doctors and protocol, he, reached his hands inside the cavity of the young man, he took the heart into his hands and began to massage the heart gently, stimulating. He leaned down as he touched the heart. He leaned down and he said in the patient's ear, he said the patient's name and he said, I'm doing all I can. I need you to do all you can. I've done everything I can. Now I need you to do what you can. Turn your heart back on. And suddenly, heart came back to life. God's done everything he could. He didn't just come for you. It was you on Calvary's hill. You were crucified. You died. God did it for you. He didn't require you to do it. He did it. He's done all he can do. Now he's saying, do you want covenant with me? And if you want covenant with me, you're going to have to let me cut your heart. Because I see what you can't. I see what others can. I know what's in there. And I know it requires circumcision.
There's some stuff on your heart because out of, the, out of the heart flow the issues of your life. The stuff that's broken your life is because of your heart. And your heart requires the touch of heaven and the cut of God. It requires a covenant with God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You say, I need a covenant with God gotta have the covenant. Jesus right now, if you're in this room and you need the touch of Jesus on your heart, just take your hands and lift them to heaven. Don't look around. Just close your eyes. This is a sacred moment with just you and God. And say, God, Jesus, you are a covenant king and savior. You are the letter become lover to me. Cut my heart. Cut away all the sin, the shame, the condemnation, the guilt. Cut me from the inside. So transformation can come to the outside. Cut me on the inside so I can become everything you've called me to be on the outside. People of God, you are covenant people of God. God has done all he can. Every one of your days numbered. He wants you to walk in them, but it's going to require surgery on your heart. Cut me, God, like only you can. I give my life to you. If you're here watching online, you've never given your heart to Christ, pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me brand new. I want to live for you. I want to cut a covenant with you. I give you my life. Take it now. Destroy the works of the devil. I give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Altar ministers are going to make their way forward. If you're here today and you need prayer, I believe there are those that came in that need a touch from heaven. You need a miracle in your life. Well, he's a miracle-working God. You need direction, God provides it. We want to pray for you. If you're here today, you gave your life to Jesus, or you're here today, you just want somebody to touch and agree the plan of heaven to begin to manifest in your life, that's what these people want to do with you today. If you're a first-time guest here today, I want to meet you. I don't know where we're going to meet. Where are we going to meet? We're going to meet in the back, some, right out in the foyer. I'd love to meet you if this is your first time with us today. I want to say how much of a pleasure it was being with you today. I love you. I'm praying for you, church. You look good. You look good. You look good. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell them how good they look. There you go. <laughs> Amen. Thank you for being a part of our Sunday. I want to encourage you to live right, love everybody, and pray hard. Thank you for being with us. If you need prayer, come this way before you go that way. God bless you as you go.